Our scripture for today is the story of Jesus' transfiguration on the mountain. I'm reading from the gospel according to Matthew in the 17th chapter, verses 1 through 9. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain apart. And Jesus was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. And his garments were, became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is well that we are here. If you wish, I will make three booths here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, lo, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were filled with awe. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were climbing down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This is the word of God for all of us. Thanks be to God. I ask you please to pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O God, thou our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There was a ritual in my family when I was growing up. My dad, throughout his work life, had a commute of 45 minutes to an hour each way. And when he came home, he had a kind of time of relaxation and listening with my mom. Every evening when he got back from work, he'd make himself a drink and sit down, and mom and dad would sit in their chairs, and they would tell each other their day. Rick and I knew that when mom and dad were telling each other their day, we should be out of their way. We knew to be off doing other things, leave them alone. When they were done, then mom would finish making supper and we'd eat together as a family. But every night they would sit and listen to one another and hear about each other's day. And from that, I learned the importance of listening. And I learned that listening is an important part of love. As I tell that story in these days, I realize it sounds almost ridiculously quaint. Maybe you're picturing the Waltons or other kind of sugary TV programming. That kind of stopping and attentive listening feels so alien to our lives today. We live in a time with so much noise. So much is going on. There's so many sounds coming at us all the time. I, my personal pet peeve is when I go to the dentist, and every time I go to the dentist as I'm waiting outside, they've got a TV blaring in the waiting room, but the receptionists are listening to the radio. So, so I'm trying to just sit and read and be quiet, but the TV's blaring with whatever's going on in daytime TV, but over here is the music of the receptionist, and I have a headache, and I'm cranky before I see the dentist. Now, you don't want me cranky before I see the dentist. It's bad. But that's the world we live in. So much noise, so much thrown at us all the time. It gets 
exhausting. And we lead very busy lives in which our schedules often conflict. And I realize for many of our families, it's really hard to ever all sit down at the same time and have a meal together. There are challenges of work schedules and challenges of uh, what the kids are involved in. And it can be really hard to just sit and all be together and listen. Our overscheduled life seems to militate against that. And then there's the issue of technology and the way that for some of us, technology has taken over our lives. Now, let me be clear. There are all sorts of wonderful things about technology. I think about grandparents who aren't able to go to grandkids' events, but then they can look on Facebook and hear all the pictures. And it's really positive, the ways that we can connect and find each other. Uh, people we knew ages ago show up on some social media outlet and they connect. There's so much that's good about social media. But there's also the challenge of how technology can become our Lord, can take over our lives. And so if we've got the smartphone on all the time and then we get a ding every time an email shows up and we get another sound when a text message comes through and we're checking our email all the time and we can become inattentive to the people who are right in front of us. We live in a time in which it is very difficult to really be heard. It's difficult for people to slow down, to stop, and to listen. And so we hear the story of Jesus who took his friends apart for a time apart. And at that time, his friends gathered, heard the voice of God, encouraging them, commanding them to listen to him. I want to reflect with you more on this issue of listening to reflect with you on what the transfiguration story tells us about that and tells us about who Jesus is and why who he is shapes the ways that we listen to him. As I said, we are in a culture where it can be hard to get quiet and it can be hard to get concerted listening. I know in myself, I have a problem. I get excited in conversations and I'm enjoying what you're saying and I don't mean to interrupt, but I interrupt. I'm in the midst of it and I jump in and then later on I will think, Jane, stop, be quiet. Let them finish their thought. We get excited and we don't hear a person out. We don't always give them the chance to say everything they need. Or we've developed patterns with our smartphones or other technology where that gets our first attention, and we listen to that before listening to the person who's right in front of us. I remember a time that I had driven over an hour to meet some friends for dinner, and one of our friends was absolutely glued to his smartphone through the whole dinner. So I would begin to tell a story, and then there'd be a ding that email had come, and he'd get distracted, and then got a little bit farther in it, and ding, there was a text, and I felt like I could never get a whole story out or tell something because it kept getting interrupted. And it was infuriating. Finally, toward the end of the dinner, I said, look, I drove over an hour to be with you in person. You're not with me. Oh, yeah, I'm listening. No, you're not. It was really frustrating. I felt hurt. I felt, oh, why did I bother if you're not going to listen? Conversely, we know the gift when someone listens, 
When someone takes the time to hear what's going on in our lives, takes the time to hear how we really think, how we really feel, gives us that deep attention. What a gift that is, how healing it is to have someone listen and pay attention to us and give that focus to us in that moment. When Jesus' life was shifting, when God was moving his ministry to the next level, Jesus took his closest friends up the mountain. You wonder what Peter, James, and John thought. Well, Jesus, what are we going to do? Is there going to be a picnic? <laughs> are, we going, are there going to be other people up there? Are we going to pray? What's going on? But they went up the mountain, and when they got up there, suddenly Jesus, all of his appearance shifted. His face was shining, and his clothes were white, just incredible, bleached white. And they looked at him, and he seemed so different. And suddenly they saw Moses and Elijah, and Peter was stunned. And seeing these three together, he assumed, oh, Jesus is a prophet like Moses and Elijah, and he offered to build booths or shrines for them. And while this is happening, and they're just stunned by the glory they are seeing, as if that wasn't enough, a cloud descends, and they hear a voice. And the voice says, this is my son, the beloved in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. They are so stunned, they fall down on their faces in awe. And Jesus comes and says, rise, get up, don't be afraid. And they go down the mountain, and Jesus says, don't, don't tell anyone about this yet. Later on, after I've risen from the dead, you can. Well, what was going on? It is important to know what happened right before this passage to give it some context Right before this passage in Matthew 16, there's a scene in which Jesus is with his followers and he asks them, who do people say that I am? Oh, some say you're Moses, some say you're Elijah, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, I, I think you're the Messiah. And Jesus says, you know, don't tell anyone, not now. And then Jesus starts to tell them what's going to happen next. Jesus tells them, I am setting my face toward Jerusalem. That is where I'm going. And there I will suffer and there I will die, but I will be raised from the dead. And when Jesus was telling the story of what would happen with him as Messiah, Peter immediately heard and objected, no, 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 that's not going to happen. Oh, no, uh-uh. That's not Peter's vision of what happens to a Messiah. Oh, no, no. And Jesus rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus rebukes him. No, my path is the path of suffering love. And so this passage, the story of the transfiguration, is powerful in so many ways. But part of it, in addition to showing us that Jesus is the Son of God, is that transition in who Jesus is and where Jesus is going. We can think of it in some way as two waves of Jesus' ministry. In Matthew 3, we heard about the baptism. When John baptized Jesus, when Jesus came out of the water and uh, Holy Spirit descended like a dove and a voice said, this is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. 
we're hearing God say, I'm crazy about this one. He's mine. He's my son. And that was the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. During that next phase of Jesus' life, he was teaching and he was healing and he was feeding. And it was a miraculous and joyous time. And Jesus was on the upswing. Things are going great. And then the transfiguration is the beginning of that shift. Jesus had told his disciples what was next. He was setting his face toward Jerusalem. And then in the transfiguration, the disciples saw who he really was. Peter and James and John were there. Peter's reaction is to see Jesus. Oh, Jesus, one of the prophets like Moses and Elijah. And the voice out of heaven says, this is my son. It seemed grand enough for Jesus to be a prophet like Moses and Elijah. And God lets them know, oh, he's a prophet, but he's my son. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. God is letting the people know that just as in baptism Jesus had been named and claimed, now Jesus was again named and claimed and sent out, and the people were commanded, listen to him. This was a new phase. This was the path of suffering love in which Jesus would continue to preach and teach and heal, but the whole time knowing that he was going toward Jerusalem, where he would be opposed by the religious authorities, where the people would turn against him, where he would be arrested and tried and sentenced to death, but where he also knew he would be raised from the dead in God's powerful love. This was the shift, the hinge time for Jesus' followers, and he went to prepare Peter, James, and John for what would happen, even if they wouldn't totally understand it until after his death. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is a calling to listen to Jesus. And this is where our issue of human listening and listening, listening to other humans and listening to God merges in a certain sense. Part of why it's so hard for us to hear each other is all the societal forces that pull us away from giving our best attention to each other, to the people who are beloved and precious in our lives. But that gets worse when we don't have that underneath rooting of listening to Jesus. One of the things that I have learned, now I'm not prescribing for everyone else, but what I have learned is I just can't look at my smartphone or check email or send a text, I can't do any of that before I stop and have my prayer time with Jesus in the morning. I find that if I give attention to my smartphone first, my energy shifts. Suddenly, I'm in task mode. I'm thinking about the next thing. I'm making lists in my head. I'm off. I'm into my day. And that's the polar opposite of devotion time in which I stop, and I give Jesus my best attention, and I give Jesus a chance to order my day. When I stop and listen to Jesus every morning through a time of devotion, through reading scripture, through prayer, the priorities of my day change. Yes, sometimes I will go on and attend to the list I had written up the night before, but other times during that time of prayer, someone comes to my heart and I know I need to contact them, or some task comes up and I realize, no, I need to take care of that. When I 
listen to Jesus, I'm better at everything else that happens in the day. But if I give my smartphone my first attention, somehow when I go to Jesus afterward, I'm already in task mode. I'm not in listening mode. God said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And in our technological world, sometimes we put the cart before the horse and I'm listening to technology before I'm listening to Jesus. I've got to know who my Lord is. This is my son. What a blessing it is that we have access to God, that we can listen to Jesus, that we can take time in scripture and devotion and prayer. And in that centering, then the rest of our day gets reordered. Now, I want to offer a word of empathy. One of our people at the 8 o'clock service talked about how he had to be tied to his smartphone because of his work. And I know there are people whose work life is such that their work demands them to be available 24-7. And so their phone has to be on 24-7. And how painful it is that when we've got a position like that, it can be very hard then to shift that off when we don't need to be in that mode. If I've got to be reachable at all times for my work, it's hard to reprogram and shift to paying attention to who is before us now. But I love this transfiguration story as a reminder of who Jesus is and our call to listen. Jesus is a prophet, yes, but he is the Son of God. He is the one around whom all the rest of our priorities are ordered. And our call is to listen. Think about a time when someone gave the time and attention to listen, to really listen to what was going on in your life, whether that was something that was upsetting you that you just needed someone to hear, or a question that was on your heart and you need someone to hear it with you and to respond back, to reflect back what they had seen and heard. What a gift it is when someone really listens. When through their listening, they feel our pain with us or they hear what's going on or they spark with us in the excitement of a new venture that's just very fragile in our hearts. What a gift it is when someone has offered that deep listening. I think about back the fall of the year in which I was 26, and I'd been working in continuing education work at Northwestern University, and I really felt this, this tug to devote my life more fully in my work life to Christ. And I thought I was going to work for a Christian nonprofit, but I wasn't sure, and I would go on job interviews, and nothing was working, and I was just trying to understand, and I felt very lost. I remember in that time being invited to the home of two, two people from my church. They had me over for breakfast on a Saturday morning, and over pancakes, they invited me, Jane, talk about it. And so I shared with them what had led to my resigning my job at Northwestern and the things I'd been looking at as options and the doors that had closed and the things that had opened up. And toward the end of that conversation, I mentioned, and oh, by the way, sometimes I've thought about doing some overseas service. And they listened and they knew me. And after that period of time of them giving me the gift of deep listening, they looked at me and they said, Jane, you're 26, you're not married, you don't have children. 
If you want to serve overseas, now is the time. Your life will only become more complicated after now. It'll be harder to do that kind of service later on. If you want to do that, do that now. And I thought, hmm. And they were one of the steps that shifted as I began to take more seriously the possibility of the mission intern program through our United Methodist Board of Global Ministries and applied for that position. And those were the steps that led me to international service in Jerusalem and the Palestinian community and then doing educational work out of a base in Staten Island. Part of that story of how God turned me was the deep listening that the Hostetters offered me that morning. What a gift. And I bet everyone here can think of times when someone really listened to you, heard you, and then could reflect back what they heard of your suffering, of your excitement, of where you might look next if you're in a discernment process. Brothers and sisters, we worship a beautiful, glorious Lord, Jesus who wants to be with us, who invites us to step away and see Jesus in a new way. Jesus, whose father loved him profoundly and said, this is my son. I love him so much. Listen to him. Who invites us to live lives in which we take time to sit and listen to Jesus. And having listened we are more able to listen to others in our path, to give that kind of deep attention that the person in front of us so yearns for, so desires, and so needs, to offer that kind of love that was modeled to me by my parents all those years ago, to stop and listen. May we listen to Jesus. May we listen to one another, having soaked in that love in our roots from our Christ. Amen.